Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Appliance 101, where we discuss everything appliance related. My name is Pat Polingo from Yale Appliance, and with me is our CEO, Steve Scheinkoff. Today, we're live in our Boston showroom, and in this episode, we'll be discussing everything about ventilation and Massachusetts makeup air laws, as well as a discussion about appliance extended warranties. If you're new here and just finding us, I highly recommend you start from the beginning with some of the topics we will be picking up from previous episodes. Let's get started. So this this week we're all we're talking about ventilation. Yep. So there's a couple key concepts for someone to understand when they're planning out a ventilation system. The good part is they've already chosen their cooking products. Mm -hmm. You know what you're dealing with, and and now it's how do you plan to make sure you uh, can get rid of all that smoke and grease that you're producing when you cook. So do you want to talk about what are those key concepts for someone to consider when they're starting? First of all, any hood will work as long as you don't cook. Uh, but ventilation is, is, is incredibly important as it's been, as uh, recent reports have shown that like uh, poorly ventilated spaces add to like uh, internal air pollution, kids' asthma, all that, all that not so good stuff. Um, so you really want to vent properly. And, and, and the problem is that although cooking is, has increased in BTU, the average, the average range when I first started selling, we had a 10,000 BTU um, max. And that's before pro ranges. Uh, now the average, the, the most basic whirlpool we sell has got two fifteen thousand BTUs and it's located in the front of the range. Um, so it's, it's really important, especially if you cook, that you ventilate properly. And it's not really all that hard to do. What you need to do is there's, there's four basic concepts that we, that we teach and have espoused for the last 13 years of our blogging and social media. And the first one's easy. It's, it's cubic feet per minute. So the motor, now you can put a motor on the inside of your hood in the duct line. It's called an inline or an outside, but typically CFM is cubic feet per minute. So when we say 600 CFM, we mean that 600 cubes of air is vented every minute. Now, to give you an idea, 1200 CFM is the average, you know, that's what you put in for a pro range, a 48 inch pro range. That's the average CFM of a small room. So every minute, when you have a 600 CFM, you're exhausting half a small room. So if you're cooking for 30 minutes, you may be uh, exhausting almost the equivalent of a whole house. The second component, I know you're going to ask. The second component is the, the least understood. It's, simple, it's simply called capture area. What a capture area is, is really refers to the depth. And that's become more important as, you know, take a look at the just basic Whirlpool. It has two 15,000 V2 burners in Typically, manufacturers will put at least one, if not two, in the front of the range. So you want something that has the depth to capture that. If they, even if you have a 22-inch, 1200 CFM hood, what happens is the smoke's just going to billow past the hood. Uh, so it's very important that the capture is 24 inches to cover those bigger burners. And then basically, you have, vent, um, you have your, your, your venting, and that's uh, two ways. The, the best way to vent is just using gravity. Smoke goes up. So you want to vent straight up and out of your house. If you're on a, on a wall, venting straight back is good. Every time you put an elbow, 
and we'll get to downdrafts a little bit later, you reduce the static flow of the actual uh, exhaust. So straight up, straight back. And then we talk about the actual duct itself. Uh, ducting should be straight galvanized, not flexible. I don't even think flexible is legal because it holds grease and, you know, God forbid you have a fire going in your hood and then you've, you've basically uh, lit your whole venting on fire. Um, and then you should, you should uh, make it compatible to the actual uh, hood that you're buying. A lot of people used to use uh, way back when I started uh, vent hose. It's crazy. That's seemed four inch, but I think especially if you're to studs, you know, bigger duct will work better because more, the more volume of smoke will be transported through that duct. Yep. So those are, those are the principles to consider. Yes. Uh, those are the four that you want to consider. And then once you understand that you can start to choose the actual type or style of hood that's going to work for your, for your kitchen design. Mm -hmm. um, first type, let's dive into a, as a pro style hood. You want to touch on that and the pros and cons? Typically pro style hoods are, are 24 and 27 inches deep. Um, they have the baffle filters. Uh, they're the big bulky hoods that you see. And they're becoming more common, you know, tend to be taller at 18 inches, whereas hoods typically are six to 10. Um, so they're designed uh, for capture, um, not just in width, but in height, and they're, and, and they're designed to vent, and they typically are compatible with the higher CFM motors. So those are typically what you want to do. You see more and more, if you cook and you walk cook, you see more pro hoods being sold for people that really like to cook. So that's probably the, the most powerful. That's the most powerful and that's the best capture. And then there's a couple of different, maybe design, uh, design elements, but there's a chimney style or... Chimney style is those focal point type hoods. Um, they're typically 21 inches uh, um, uh, deep. So they're not designed for pro rangers, although the, there are a few that, that are now, I think best has one and blue star has one that are 24 inches deep. Those typically, you know, when we talk about hoods, you know, the different shapes, there's the triangle shape, there's the under cabinet shape. Um, typically you, it, as long as it conforms to the four, especially with the way you cook, then, then you can buy anything, but typically you're, you're buying those triangular European shapes because you, it's a focal point in your kitchen. And those are typically likely used on an exterior wall. Um, if you're if you are if you have your cooking placed in an island in the center of your kitchen, there's a couple there's options as well. Yeah, typically those are supported by the actual hood chimney then itself. Um, so they call the island hoods. Whereas typically wall mount hoods, they're not finished on the back, so they're mounted on the back versus say the chimney, which is what the island hoods are how the island hoods are designed. And they come in all different sizes and shapes. And then you mentioned downdrafts earlier. Those are typically found in, a, in a, you know, those large kitchen islands. But there are some, there's definitely pros and cons if you're considering a downdraft. Do you want to dive into that? I don't know too many pros other than when people say it's like the only thing they can put in because there's maybe something existing. But downdrafts are really, uh, I mean, one of the things that we, we've talked about is kitchen design. A lot of people put cooking in the middle of their kitchen, and that's fine. Um, you know, I, I always get splatter when we cook, so I'm not sure if, you know, cooking in front of guests is always, you know, we, I, I've, I've made some allusions to, uh, Benny Hanna, but Benny Hanna has got the, if you ever go to one or, you know, any kind of hibachi style kitchen, they always have the overhead, big, big overhead hoods over it to capture all the smoke and steam. The, the problem with downdrafts is they're not designed to work with heavy volume and it's becoming a trend, 
especially in the pro range segment, but it, it can't work. And, and the reason why it can't work because it reverses gravity by, by forcing it down. And then it adds an elbow and typically a long run out. And it doesn't have any capture. You, you go, we talk about a pro rain, you're talking about a pro hood being the best at, at 24 inches deep and 18 inches tall. Well, you've got two inches of capture on a downdraft. So if you cook, one of the solutions in a new kitchen, instead of putting you're cooking there is, is putting your sink there. And if you want to entertain, you can get the galley sink, which is an entertaining sink. I'm sure Kohler and the other ones have a few. And 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 put your put your range on, on the wall where it kind of put your cooking on the wall where it kind of belongs. Because down reps are not designed to work. Yep. Yep. And then one last type we'll touch on is uh if you're if you have that upgraded luxury style kitchen, yep. there's the concept of a, a wood uh a blower. That you could design your own hood to fit. Sure, sure. You know, wood hoods are are uh, where you're putting the wood, the wood acts as the steel, and um, and it's a it's a great look. Uh, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you buy the right. Uh, there's there's ways to do it. You got to buy the middle liner that goes around it, and then you got to buy what's called a light fil filter control unit, which is your filters, uh, your controls, and your blower system. And typically those, are, those run the gamut, uh, anywhere from say 300 CFM up to 1200 CFM, you want to match with whatever you're cooking. And you want to make sure that what a lot of people do is they, they sacrifice performance for aesthetics. Um, and, but the same principles apply. If you're going to have a wood hood, make sure it's 24 inches deep if you plan on cooking it, cooking on it. Um, but it's a great look. It's 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 a it's certainly in a higher kitchen with with better cabinets. It's certainly a, a really good design option that you should consider as long as again you plan on the right blower and capture area. And then what what about over the range microwaves? People ask about that all the time. I'm so I'm so torn over the range microwave because I think it's such a great design, centralizing your cooking for small areas. They pretty much on these packages throw in the microwave, so why not buy it? Um, and I thought it was one of the best things I ever saw 30 years ago when it was actually, um, when it was actually mar first marketed in the, in, the, in the United States here. The problem with the range microwave, it hasn't changed. The over the range microwave that we sold 30 years ago was 310 CFM with roughly about 15 inches deep. Today, uh, I'm sure there's certain models that claim uh, better capture and everything, but it's typically 310 CFM and 15 inches deep. So it really won't work in that application. So although it's cost-effective, it's, it's, it's a great idea, but for a purely ventilation standpoint, if you cook, you shouldn't be buying an over-the-range microwave. You know, again, you can always sacrifice opening windows and cooking on the back burners where it's not as high a BTU. But if you really plan on using the range to its fullest extent, over-the-range microwaves, you probably, although it's a throw-in, you probably want to go another direction. Yep. And then consideration here in Massachusetts Yep. for uh, for people when they're upgrading or updating their kitchens is the concept of makeup air. Mm -hmm. um, so you want to tell us what is makeup air and then sure. how can someone plan out their how kitchen to, to satisfy make, that? Makeup air in their house. You know, I always thought it was like government overreach with, with, uh, with when I first heard in 2007, but it actually, it, it really makes sense when you think about it. Um, and that is on any hood that's over 400 CFM, you have to have a makeup air, uh, 
you have to make the air up. Now, it's easy to do a new construction because it goes right through, you can do it right through your, you can put a damper right through your HVAC system. Um, but think about it. If we go back to what we originally said, if you get 400 CFM, 400 cubes of air, and you get it for 30 minutes, it's almost a small house. And what happens is air doesn't go in a vacuum. It's like, you're not gonna like have oxygen as asphyxiation. What's happened is air will find a way. And where it finds is from typically your attic, um, your garage, uh, your furnace, and that's a very unhealthy uh, environment to be in. So you really want to make up air. Actually, uh, government called it right, especially with the anything over 400 CFM, um, you, you definitely want to make it up. Now, again, as I said, easy to do a new construction, doing through your HVAC, most contractors know, and it is the law and has been law since 2007. But say in a kitchen renovation, what you want to do is it has to be 10 feet away on the opposite side of the um, of where you're cooking. So you're getting fresh air. You cut a hole. You, so you get fresh air every time you, you turn on the hood. There should be a smart damper opening on this side, bringing fresh air retrieving from uh, from the exhaust in, in, in equal proportion. I think uh, Brone sells those. I'm sure there's other manufacturers sell aftermarket. But uh, in this state, it's the law, and um, most inspectors will, will not give you a CO without makeup air. And, and you want it for you and your family, too. You want to make sure that you make up that air, uh, especially if you cook. Uh, having it come back in is, is just a, a really good idea. So we've talked a lot about how to choose products. We've talked about ranges, pro ranges, Wallivan's cooktops now. When people are considering these big purchases, the concept of extended warranties comes up naturally, right? And there's some times where it makes sense to buy an extended warranty, but then also sometimes when it never makes sense to buy an extended warranty. So do you want to tell us um, how should people go about making that decision? Well, it, 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 you know, we never, we never sold extended warranties here because we sold a Maytag washer lasted 19 years. I'm not going to sell a five-year warranty for however much it is because you didn't need it. The problem is, is uh, uh, appliances break more now than, than they used to. So there is a, there is a it, it's like any insurance. It makes sense in certain cases, like French door refrigerators, the ice maker, no matter what happens, it always seems to go within five years. That's a, that's a good thing. The problem with the extended warranties is sold in the appliance companies is there's no direct involvement with the actual service of that. So, you know, you go to your car dealer, right? You buy an extended warranty uh, for your car. You go to the car dealer. Uh, car dealer takes it, gives you a loaner, and you're off and running. But most extended warranties, almost 100% of them, I would say probably not 100%, um, but probably 95% of them are outsourced to whomever. And I still think it makes sense if you know who that whomever is. If you're going to have an extended warranty, have it with the relationship of the person actually doing the service on it. Because what happens is um, most appliance dealers buy it for, you know, what if they sell it for, say, 100? If they sell it for 99 bucks, it costs them 20. And when you make that phone call, you're not, you're not dealing with your appliance dealer. You're dealing with some, interesting enough, an outsourced called solution. And they're, most of them are located in Dallas, Texas. And then it becomes whoever their low-cost supplier is is who goes to your house. And it's, it's, it's never a good experience. So, yeah, although I do think in some cases 
in a lot of cases, I don't think you need them when microwaves and some other more reliable products, but the technical ones, washers, we sell a five-year warranty on a washer and say the bearings go, or there's a direct drive problem. We're not fixing it. We're just replacing it because it's cheaper for us to actually replace the machine. We actually put the man hours and the parts to fix it. So I think in certain areas, in certain appliances, pro ranges, refrigeration, laundry, it makes sense. But only if you if you know that when you make the call, you're actually going to get service behind it. And if you're not, and if you're going to get with some of these outsourced extended warranty solutions, you're just better off taking your chances and paying for uh, paying for service when you need it versus paying up front for service you're never going to have or, or you're not going to have a good experience with that. Um, so look to look to for an extended warranty as long as it's reasonable from the actual service provider, not from someone who's trying to sell you a piece of paper that goes somewhere else that they hire somebody on the fly that, that, that either won't be there promptly or won't finish the job um, because it's not worth their while from a time and material standpoint. So yes, for extended warranties, but no, generally, by the way, um, it's, it's typically sold in this country. Yeah, just for the customer, just make sure your dealer handles their service themselves. They or, don't outsource it. Or don't outsource it or go directly to whoever the um, service people are in, in your area. That's probably the smartest way. Provided, of course, you know, they're financially solid. I mean, it, we self-insure. And if a lot of people in self-insure, you have to you have to keep money in the bank like any insurance company would to to um to be able to pay for the claims that come in, but really have that direct relationship for the person that's coming in and actually fixing the product, not for someone who's selling you the piece of paper that says they will. Yep. Another, another important consideration before you make your purchase. <laughs> Definitely before. Absolutely. Uh, uh, vet that out. Typically what people do is you have some time after the sale, but make sure you spend you know, again, uh, I'm finishing again with the same ways. You know, if you Google and Yelp um, service reputations, knowing that when people get service, they're probably not in the best frame of mind to write a good review, say, but figure out who those people are and, and develop that relationship. Not a lot of dealers have their own service department. So have a relationship with whoever it is in your city, town, or region that actually is the best fixing those products. Great. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. We'll make sure to link our ventilation buying guide to make sure you can have all that information. Next week, we'll be discussing everything you need to know about refrigeration and what you should know about manufacturer promotions and rebates. As always, thanks for watching and don't forget to subscribe. See you next week.